they're popping up like mushrooms and they have to compete with each other. How can you compete if you're not being more beautiful or more comfortable? Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. I have the flu. If you can hear me sniffling over here, I've gone through boxes of tissues and I'm on meds. So I'm feeling the high life right now as I do today's intro Sunday evening here after a fun bus ride back through Shenzhen from a Hong Kong business meeting today. And, uh, you know, just another reminder, the Global From Asia course is ready to kick off January 25th. So if you want to get in on the ground floor for the Chinese New Year with me, you can get that at globalfromasia.com slash course or even easier slash go. And I'm putting my whole brain and experience into this one about international business optimization and just all these things about making business flow a lot better and systems I use and, and others and people have been already enjoying it as I talk to people. So I, I hope you can at least consider it. It does help support me and the show. So thank you in advance for your consideration. Okay. And now for this week's show, Hank from Troublemaker. We had a great conversation at his makerspace in Huachan Bay, the famous hardware center of the world. And we were digging into makers versus engineers as well as a whole lot more. So I hope you guys enjoy. Let's tune in. Welcome to Huachan Bay. This is Mike at Global from Asia. And we have, I'm going to try my best here, Hank Werner. And uh, welcome. I'm glad to have you on the show. Thanks for being here, Hank. Yeah. Hi, Mike. So Troublemaker is how I've heard of you. You know, We were just talking before the recording. You guys have gotten quite a bit of press. How long, how long is it, has it been? Well, we officially opened uh, our doors in July, uh, July 2016. We're already in 2017. I have to keep remembering myself that. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was like in March, I made a decision to to go out and, and visit an event because I used to work alone from home. And uh, that's kind of... Uh, limiting because you're one person and you can help people just with your own capacities. And I wanted to go out to learn. So I went to an event called a robot and AI mixer because robotics has, is one of my interests. And uh, I met uh, my current partner Hans uh, there and uh, we got along. Two months later, we decided to start uh, our own space that was in, in May. Okay. So then we started to build this place and we took two months before we officially opened the doors. Okay, great. So maybe I kind of jumped ahead a little bit, but maybe give people a quick background of, of uh, we'll go into in the interview, but maybe of your of yourself and Troublemaker. Yeah. So my background is in mechanics. I'm a watchmaker awesome. and I studied communication and... I think most of my professional life, I've helped people. I'm a service-oriented guy. Um, And when I came to China, first it was to produce an LED display, which I developed for a company in Holland. Um, And I had to stay here a couple of months, and I fell in love with China and with the opportunities and the people and the food and the evenings. So I decided to stay here, and half a year later, I, I arrived and I started to live here in 2011. Cool. So I first had it uh, off as uh, as a consultant for LED display, 
my first uh, customer being Nokia four months later, and then several other people, uh, companies. And I did this for a couple of years. And I mean, LED display is, is an interesting uh, field, but they're always, they're big orders. So you only, yeah, you work a lot and you, you win a couple of orders a year. So it's, it's kind of, yeah, irregular, let's say. Okay. Um, Feast or famine, maybe? Yeah, I, I, I prefer to have more diversity and not just focus on one thing because, no, I'm really an innovator. I like to tinker, I like to do. Um, so when I, when I visited the robot and AI mixer, um, I just uh, went through several makerspaces in Shenzhen to see where I felt a, at home. So I could have a place where I can just make anything. I didn't have a clear idea yet what I wanted to make, but I just wanted to see the community. And it became actually quite clear to us that there was, it, there seemed to be one thing missing in the makerspaces in Shenzhen. And what we found is that a lot of spaces there are not a makerspace. They're more like a co-working space. They don't have a lab. And the ones that do have a lab, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but a lot of them, they are not really, there, there is a 3D printer and a laser cutter and a CNC machine, but there's nobody around to help you learn to mm. use the machines, or if they're broke, they don't repair. Mm. So they're not really useful as a makerspace as such. Got it. Um, and we thought we can do better. We can provide uh, a co-working space and a lab and have engineers around to support people that if, if they want to do something, they have the people around them to support and realize it. Very cool. That's that's a good story. And I I agree. I mean... Oh, it's kind of embarrassing. I live in Shenzhen. I'm not really a hardware guy. I mean, I've I, I've done e-commerce many years, and I've made my own products in the past. Uh, very challenging, and uh, it's great to have this kind of service here now. Um, so, how have you kind of seen things develop? Uh, in, you know, so you say here, 2011, you came, uh, and now you've been with this uh, troublemaker makerspace. Or hackerspace, what would you call it? Yeah, I'd still have to figure out a decent uh, title for the space. <laughs> um, we tend to say a hardware accelerator, but hardware may, may, maybe maybe that's a little bit too much. Okay. Um, we like to compare ourselves with an incubator, but an incubator invests in companies. Mm -hmm. uh, but at least an incubator has a lab and all the professional engineers around to support the companies. Yep. So it's kind of uh, an incubator, except uh, we don't invest yet. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to invest to be an incubator. I know there's tons of these kind of, especially in Hong Kong, they have these co-working sp uh, investment spaces, but they're actually just giving you free rent uh, for the for the shares or for the investment so or uh, other things. So I think you provide a lot. So if somebody has an idea or maybe... Kickstarter, how normally do you guys work? Well, it's very flexible because it depends on the people. It depends mm. on the project and on the stage where they are. Sometimes people reach us where they already have a product and already prototyped it and they ask us to help them find money or marketing. And sometimes they just have a vague idea uh, or a kind of clear idea, but lack all the resources and connections. One of the guys who I met uh, like three months ago 
he is driving a self-balancing wheel like 24 hours a day. <laughs> and he wanted to build his own and he didn't have any money. And I said, well, you just come on here and just go do your thing. And two months later, he had his first prototype and he got funded. And then a month later, he had his third prototype. And now he's oh. in the USA with the first eight pieces to cool. to introduce them to the USA market. Okay. So then how... How maybe it's maybe you guys discuss each deal, but is it equity? Is it money? Is it is it profit share? In this case, I just said, give me a self balancing wheel when you're ready. Wow, that's that's too good of a deal. <laughs> well, I know you you really are interested. You're very supportive of of entrepreneurs and developers. So we we've talked about um, in chats about makers and future engineers. Is there a difference? Did you say there's a difference there? Um, maybe I'm ignorant, but can you shed some light on makers versus engineers or future engineers? Well, if, if you look at the word makers from our uh, origin, our background, Europe and probably USA also, um, makers is a community of, in general, people with a similar interest. Uh, so if you like uh, model airplanes, then you find a club who does model airplanes. And usually they have like a working shed or area. And quite commonly that turns into a makerspace. Here a makerspace is quite generally a commercial oriented, it's just a company. Mm -hmm. It's just a place where you provide services for people to to develop a commercial viable product for sales. Where, where in, in Europe uh, a makerspace doesn't necessarily has a commercial uh, a purpose. Mm -hmm. It brings me to a point. I don't know if you know, but I was a partner in the first co-working space in Shenzhen, Shenzhen team in 2000, maybe when you just got here, 2010, end of 2010, early 2011. And uh, yeah, it was differences because we had Chinese partners and and uh, Western partners. And yeah, like the Chinese wanted to be really high end and nice and professional. But like Westerners, like we kind of liked, uh, liked the idea of it being... Uh, kind of like donated, you know, like crowdsourced, not crowdsourced, yeah, like people just bring in, bring in equipment or bring in right. chairs or furniture or we didn't want to have, we wanted to be like the factory turned into an office where the Chinese, I think, they don't want to have, because uh, they, they grew up with factories, so they didn't want to have uh, a factory, they want to have a nice commercial space as everything's new. So I think, yeah, maybe, I think that the difference lies in the West, in the U.S., Europe, we, we kind of want to have these uh, cool refurbished factories because we right. grew up in the new corp, you know, the new spaces. And now, but it's always what you it's always what you don't have. So the Chinese kind of grew up maybe in developing environments and and factories. So now they're like, we want to have the nice commercial space with the newest furniture and central district. Yeah, I think it's also a matter of that co-working spaces have become popular only recently mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the government yeah. is is very pushing to to have them so they are like uh, popping up like mushrooms yeah and they have to compete with each other so how can you compete if you if you're not giving i mean from their point of view i think uh if, if you're not being more beautiful or more comfortable or something like that true true but the people that visiting us, they just want to have access to, yeah. to soldering irons and uh, hacksaws and uh, PCB material, whatever. Yep. 
So that brings me to the point I have, uh, you know, I think a lot of listeners aren't in China. A lot of times, uh, for some reason, podcast listeners, uh, maybe because the internet, they're listening usually when they're outside of China. When they come here, they stop listening. But uh, the main point I want to bring up is those that aren't in China, you know, do they still have a chance? Is, or you maybe you said that uh, the wheel, the solo wheel or the standing, yeah. he moved, went back to the U.S. So, so was it like, a, did he come here with a mission? Or do people have to stay here like one month, three months move here for a year, be like us and live here. I mean, yeah, I think everything is possible. Uh, but you should probably be here, uh, for, for three months or something. If you want to follow up your whole project. Okay. Um, because if you leave earlier, then you're not handling your own project and you actually placing an order and let other people, uh, develop the product for you. And uh, sometimes that's okay, but if you really want to put your heart and soul into into your uh, product, then yeah, you should hang around. All right, I agree. That's yeah, actually I agree. that's actually also the reason why we started now uh, a second location where we have uh, dormitories, like small hotel rooms, available for people so they can stay. Interesting. Yeah, we were talking about that before recording. I mean, I'm I'm curious. Is this like uh, bunk beds and uh, and uh, they have a cafeteria? Is it like local Chinese style? I, I actually I actually stayed in the dorm voluntarily in in Dongguan when I was doing an e-commerce project uh, back in the day. I it was a Hong Kong owned factory. And by the way, these are the solo wheels being, <laughs> we are, put yeah, we are on the ground. Like the show says, you guys are factory direct here. Uh, I was, yeah. So even Austin is, is, is flown back to the USA with the first eight pieces. He got one of his engineers left behind to do the rest of them. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, we should maybe put some pictures in the show because, uh, it's pretty fascinating, but uh, back back to the fact back the to the dorms, yeah. No, the we have cooperation with uh, an Italian-owned uh, factory, uh, so it's 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 fifty percent Italian, fifty percent Chinese because of not the owners but the wives, um, and everything in the factory breathes uh, a, a Sino-European style. So there is a European sense of quality. And with the Chinese uh, kind of efficiency, uh, I mean, the workforce, uh, a lot of automatization. Uh, so, I mean, the workforce has shrinked, obviously, over the last couple of years, but the machines are more automated. Uh, so uh, fast production, small production runs are possible, uh, more precise work. Okay. And, of course, the dormitories... They are, uh, in this case, not Chinese anymore. They were, they used to be there for the first factory workers like 15 years ago. And now they are transformed into uh, a little bit comfortable places where, where people from uh, abroad can feel comfortable. Nice. Very cool. We are in Huachan Bay. I think most listeners should know, but maybe, maybe just give us a the thought process of what is Huachang Bay, why your main location is here. Yeah, Huachang Bay is the world's largest electronics and electronics components market. And if you want to develop electronics, hardware, then this is the place to be. Because below us, there are tens of thousands of shops with electronic components. So whenever you need something, you get something short or you design something 
let's say wrong and you want to adjust it within half an hour you are you go down you buy the component you need and you come back up and you are back in business whereas if you are anywhere else you have to order it and you have to wait a day or two days mm-hmm. before you get your components yeah it's totally true i mean it's uh it's like night and day right like you can just go downstairs literally right. and find a component or and talk to somebody that has the answer about about what you need right away right. There's tons of videos on YouTube. Actually, one of my more popular videos uh, is is uh, walking around Huachan Bay. People are always interested to see. It's an amazing thing to see. I always tell people to visit Shenzhen, even if they're not doing product, uh, they should visit Huachan Bay for sure. Well, even if it's only for the gadgets. Yeah, I always get suckered into buying something like I don't need. Uh, I bought a, a headlamp. Uh, you know, like one of those uh, lights you can strap on your. Cause I do the video, it's not as dark, so I can put it on my head and video stuff while I uh, while I'm on the go. And uh, so you guys have a few different business models. We we're discussing. Um, so you have the factory out in Longgong with the Italian style dorms, <laughs> and uh, you also do training. So there's a few different types of courses you have. Maybe we can give us some ideas. Yeah, when we when we started this. We were totally not clear about uh, which of our ideas would uh, catch fertile ground and which not. So we said, well, we want to start here because we are all uh, four partners. We are product developers. We are in hardware. So we want to start here and we want to provide an open platform for anybody with a good idea to develop a product. Uh, I think that's another, another difference with an incubator where usually you have to go through an event and then you get one or one of the three or five or 10 selected companies, you get funded and you get here. But we didn't want to limit ourselves to just a few companies. We want to give everybody a chance to, to be uh, in an incubator. So we provide uh, the space here uh, at cost price. We don't, we're not a, a, a real estate company, so we don't make money on, on the seats. Uh, only if people need uh, engineering service, we charge for that. Okay, and then we earn a little bit. Um, and the second part is is education training. So we we train people how to use machines, but we also train the youth here either item based courses like coding a certain language, or uh, design your own robot is one of the courses which yeah, is running is, now. I want to talk about that. Uh, yeah, and that's a theme based course, which means we have real engineers. We have an industrial designer, we have an electronics engineer, we have a robotics professor from Spain, uh, we have a mechanical engineer who train the kids uh, just in general, not in depth, uh, what to think about when you design and build a robot. So they can build their own robot in, in six to ten weeks time and they can take it home, it's theirs. They don't have to take it apart, what's uh, happened a lot of times. It's not a kit. It's not something what you buy in the shop and put together and that's it. So you really design your own thing and you construct it and it's your own thought. Um, And this way we want to create those future engineers. We want to give them uh, some extra bagage, what we think other other trainings uh, don't provide. Very cool. All right. And so those have been going well. So you... Is the kids is most mostly local? It must be local Chinese kids. Yes. Very cool. And uh, parents must love that. Ch- Chinese are just all about education, yeah. right? Like I, we all have kids, and uh, 
my, my wife was talking about college before the kid was born. So, yeah, education is very important here. Yeah, and I just read that there is a, a trend that the kids like to uh, get more knowledge and the parents like to beef up the resume of the kid. And with our courses, they actually do, do both in one time. Very cool. That's a good point. And actually, I wanted to ask earlier, but the name Troublemaker, hmm. what's, what's, what's that? Well... Uh, at first it started just because we're kind of like a makerspace. So you want to have the, the word maker in your name and troublemaker in our, in the West, it can be, can be kind of funny, you know, it's like, uh, it's kind of like a joke. Uh, but of course people here are very serious and they ask what it means. So, uh, I'd always tell them that, uh, young kids, they're often referred to as troublemakers. Yeah. And the reason is, is that they are not yet grown up they don't limit themselves in any way uh, to if they want to reach a goal they just go for it and they will try anyway until they reach their goal or they just maybe give up I don't know mm. so we, we, we want to be those kind of troublemakers don't limit ourselves we, we, we break stuff 10 times 20 times until we get the hang of it and know how to reach a goal in order to innovate something yeah, to true. deliver something what doesn't exist yet yeah I mean, I think, at least for me, I think of Steve Jobs, right? I mean, he he uh, definitely just went against what a lot of people would say yeah. to make it happen. And you can't follow the normal path to make a new product or design something from scratch, right? So this has been a great, great talk so far. What would you say um, for somebody that has, maybe the newbies, somebody has an idea, they can't sleep at night, Mm, what, what should they do to get started? Maybe they're sitting in Europe or US or somewhere overseas. I think first of all, they should download WeChat and connect with me. <laughs> there you go. Because um, we have some people uh, tuning in from uh, Canada, USA, Europe. Um, sometimes I answer some questions on Quora okay. and, and, and then they like it and they connect. And I just advise them remotely. I mean, Very cool. not everybody immediately jumps into an airplane and comes here. But a lot of times they can actually do something over there. Yeah. Only they don't know where to start. Yeah. So just with a little advice, they can go ahead and maybe do their thing over there. And if they feel they're ready, they're very welcome to come here and, and get things going here. Sure. Probably also talk to their customer or potential customer. Hmm. Is, that's the one thing that's hard for uh, me, at least, is you lose touch with the, your end consumer by being in China because... Of course, we we know each other, and there's others, but the, you know to actually know your if you're selling to the West. You, so I think they should take advantage of that while. And one of the interesting things what happened is that a lot of people that have passed through Troublemaker, and no matter if they actually took a seat or just visited us, they go back to their country and they talk about us, and we get people connecting to us who we don't know, but who just get referred to by people who like what we do, and talk about it over there. Okay. So I'm sure people are got their pens out. What's the WeChat they can add or how else can people find you or, or well, Troublemaker? The, 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 the WeChat is very easy because it's Proto-Pro. Okay. One word. Proto-Pro. Okay, Proto-Pro. Okay. Proto-Pro. We'll also put this on the web show notes. And uh, is there websites or, I mean, of course, WeChat. Yeah, we have a website, troublemaker.site. Okay. And that's probably enough, you know, it's true though. If people want to do business uh, in China, they're going to have to use WeChat. So yeah. we always recommend that. And 
you're up at late at night or what's the best time? Uh, <laughs> or I guess WeChat can always, you well, know. Well, if I don't want to be disturbed, I just turn down my volume. But any other case, I'm usually 24 hours a day reachable. Whoa. Doesn't sleep. Very cool. Very cool. So thanks so much for, for coming on the show, Hank. And uh, let's get back to making stuff. Yep. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thank you, Hank, for that. And give him a chat on WeChat. Add him and say what's up. You can also add Global From Asia. We have Global From Asia user account, both personal and personal with Claire Chen. She's joining our team, just joined in January. If you're listening, Claire, you rock. I'm already excited with your work. So you guys can add her at Global From Asia or follow us on our official account for podcasts and more. And I am ready to get some rest tonight. And this week, I'm going to get through it and then take a little holiday, if if you can believe that. Wendy and uh, Maggie and I are going to go to a friend's guest house somewhere a few hours away in South China. So I uh, will just bring my Kindle. Of course, I'll still bring my laptop, but I'm going to try to do more reading and reflecting for a week or so. Um, anyway, I'm not, next week's show, don't worry, we already got a great one lined up and it's going to be on. I won't surprise you, so you can wait. And uh, this one, globalfromasia.com slash episode 158 for the show notes and more and cool pictures of Hank. And in case you missed anything, you can check that out. Peace, and I will see you in the year of the cock. Take care. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.